ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to set your faith ablaze so that you might live the adventure that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, or if you have ideas for future episodes, please contact us. The easiest way to do that is by email, and the address is ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Um, I'm joined in studio today by uh, a guest who's been on Ignition, not actually just, just a few weeks ago, Cameo Anders. Cameo, uh, good morning, or well, good morning, afternoon, evening, or night, depending on when the listener's listening. Yes, um, all of those. Good morning, afternoon, <laughs> evening, and good night. <laughs> and uh, if you haven't uh, heard Cameo or Ignition at all, who the heck is Chris Bergwald? We'll introduce ourselves in a moment. But we're going to be talking today about um, a really important concept that's very applicable to the life of uh, Catholics, well, Christians in general, but but very familiar, I think, at least in a particular way to Catholics. And that is the idea of, of redemptive suffering or what St. John Paul II called salvific suffering, how we can... Um, offer our sufferings in union with Jesus' sufferings and invite him to do something incredible with our suffering. Uh, obviously, we're talking about in light of, of the COVID-19 pandemic. If you are a regular listener to Ignition, you may have noticed that last couple weeks as events have unfolded in in our nation, um, as, as they have already around the world previously, uh, haven't been addressing um, the pandemic uh, at all. That's because... Um, those episodes were recorded uh, some time ago, actually, several weeks ago, before this became um, such uh, a prominent part of all of our lives. So just in case you're wondering, why isn't Bergwald talking about uh, the pandemic on Ignition? That's why, because when those episodes were recorded, it wasn't um, wasn't for, for as, as foremost in our minds as it, is, as it is now. But we will be talking about it today. If you've never listened to Ignition before, again, my name is Chris Bergwald. I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls in South Dakota. Um, been in that role since 2002. More importantly, been Jermaine's husband since 1999. We have five kids. Jermaine's from Ohio. I am from central Minnesota. Um, all five of our kids are born here in, uh, well, today, cloudy Sioux Falls. It's big, by the way, cameo uh, as, as a fellow current Sioux Fallsian transplant like me. Since the pandemic sort of uh, has been settling across our country and affect starting to affect our state, it's been pretty cloudy outside. I, I'm uh, like, okay, Lord, we need some sunshine. Right. Uh, the listeners can't see my bright yellow pants, but that's why I wore them today, because we do. We need some sunshine. We need some sunshine. So thanks for the bright. But then you were in a black uh, uh, jacket. Right. Well, cloudy, uh, okay. dreary, All right. and so, so reflecting the reality, but and and your hope and optimism at yes. the same time. Yes. Good. Who are you, Camille? Well, so I am also a transplant to Sioux Falls. I'm mom of four kids with a wonderful husband who Chris last time I spoke, um, you know, regaled his coffee skills, which is <laughs> Jay has some mad coffee skills. Jay Anders is the owner operator of a little cappuccino cabin in Eastern Sioux Falls. If you're in the area, stop by. He makes good coffee and he's got a great smile and laugh. Um, yeah. Do so I get paid for that? I I think so. Free coffee. Go buy. I'll... Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm, Jay, you heard that, Jay. Right. When you listen to this episode. All right. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Right. So um, mom of four kids, they're probably all still sleeping because we don't have any school right now. And attorney here in Sioux Falls, I'm also, my new passion is kind of in bioethics. So I'm a, a professor of ethics in certain areas. Um, yeah, I think that's yeah. about sums it up. Great. So uh, we're going to talk about redemptive suffering. Why is this, um, before we get into the meat of, of the topic, um, first of all, I should say, obviously, application to what's going on now. Um, people in our listening area, um, Minnesota, Wisconsin, the Dakotas, Wyoming, um, all of these, those what, five states, um, plus those listening by podcast anywhere, um, all those five states in our radio listening area um, are affected. Um, a couple of those states, Minnesota, for sure, South Dakota, um, have experienced death already, but but certainly people who, who have contracted COVID-19. So um, this is, again, what, what can we do with our suffering is kind of why I thought this would be an important topic. But why is it, just in general, why is this an important topic for you personally? For me personally, I think, well, first of all, I'm sort of a you know, St. John Paul II groupie, he just says um, so clearly, but yet so beautifully what the church has always taught. Mm -hmm. And so this meaning of suffering, especially just hits our heart. We all suffer. We all wonder what to do with it. And even more than that, it really brings about the question of evil and why is there evil in the world and why does God allow evil? And if, <clears throat> if there is evil and if, if, is there even a God? So it, it really has an impactful um, effect on our faith. Amen. Amen. Okay, great. So let's dive in. Um, he, he, well, John Paul II wrote, actually, by the way, I should mention before we dive in, um, providentially, the upcoming issue of, uh, in, in the Diocese of Sioux Falls, our, our monthly publication, the Bishop's Bulletin, is going to be addressing the topic of offering up our suffering, offer it up as mm. a saying that uh, was very popular, if you will, common to hear from Catholics um, a few decades ago. And then it sort of subsided, but it's, it's a bit on the research. I think, I think it subsided because it was sort of a, I think it was misconstrued by some or misused as a buck up. Right. It doesn't mean buck up. It means something else that we'll get into. But uh, if you're in the Diocese of Sioux Falls or, or access our website, uh, just actually in the next few days, we're going to be talking more and more about what this is. So we're getting sort of a sneak peek at what redemptive suffering is. John Paul II wrote an apostolic letter on it. Uh, the Latin title is Salvifici Dolores, right? Yes. On the Christian meaning of human suffering is the topic. Yes. Take it away, Camille. Okay, so... This is a beautiful letter. If, if you have a chance to read it, I would definitely recommend it. But this letter does two th things. It, it, or I guess it says the meaning of human suffering is twofold. And so I think we'll look at that twofoldness of it. The first is, you know, as Chris said, offer it up. Or as, you know, my mom used to tell me, and she'll probably listen to this, so I love you, mom. But <laughs> when I was a teenager, <laughs> I was not super happy when I would complain about something and you'd tell me to offer it up. Um, but in this letter, we see an example, and I'll use the example of, you know, our mother Mary. At the cross, when any other mother would be wailing in anguish, anguish and probably, you know, I'd be throwing rocks at the people who were killing my son, but Mary stood and not just stood in her suffering, 
but she offered her suffering in union with Christ's. And in that, she became something more than just the mother of Christ. Um, Christ reached down and, and said, you know, beloved apostle, this is your mother. Mother, you know, this is your son. He gave her to the whole world as our mother. So in her in her joining with Christ's redemptive suffering, she became um, something even greater. And we, at the same time, can offer our suffering with Christ's suffering on the cross. And in doing so, we sort of transcend what we are as just humans um, and become something even more than what we're capable of on our own. So the meaning of human suffering, that first fold part of it, is that when we offer our suffering with Christ, we also participate in that redemptive power that um, was perfect and complete and accomplished on the cross, but he left it open to all of us. And so there's a, in um, Colossians, you know, we have this kind of strange scripture verse that says, in my flesh, I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church. So what is lacking in Christ's afflictions? Absolutely nothing. There's nothing lacking in what Christ did. But because the church and its role is to reconcile all of humanity back to God, um, there is an unaccomplishment that happened in Christ's redemption. Um, because we are humans, because we have free will, we can turn away from Christ's suffering. We can cut ourselves off from God. We can step farther and farther and farther away from that salvific power that um, saves all of us. And so we as humans, when we, when we take our suffering and we offer it with Christ and we say, I offer this to you and, and I'm going to do that for, you know, my um, brother or sister or friend or colleague or whomever, or even just that um, person who is, you know, alone during this time of, of pandemic. And I think I just read that the Pope has af- asked us to spiritually adopt those who are alone at this time. Right. We can take that suffering and we can offer it for them. And even though they may have turned themselves away from Christ through us, we can sort of sneak grace in underneath right. their, you know, brick wall that they've built up. Um, so there's, there's a really powerful and beautiful meaning to our suffering. And I, and I, and I want to start actually with how you just ended um, I think it's so, so often when we experience suffering, it seems meaningless, right? Yeah. So what, what, what's occurred to me is, you know, it's Lent. Um, so for us as Catholics and other Christians do something similar, but we, you know, we, we choose among other things, our, one of our common Lenten practices <clears throat> is to give something up, to give something up. So, you know, the, the, the traditional, we, we joke about this, you know, a lot of Catholics give up, we'll give up chocolate. You give up chocolate for Lent or TV or screen time or whatever it is. Um, this pandemic is something that we didn't choose. It's suffering, if you will. If it's a pre, uh, it's a penance that we didn't. I'm gonna I'm gonna decide to stay cooped up in my home this Lent. Right. Um, it's 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 something that we didn't choose, but we're having to accept. And what do we do with suffering? Because suffering seems mean, suffering that we don't choose seems meaningless. And yet there is a, at least Christian meaning to human suffering. Um, what you were just saying, we can uh, make 
give we can we can I don't know I go back and forth we either give meaning to our suffering or or recognize the meaning or the potential meaning of our suffering by giving it to Jesus right so if we think back to the story of Job you know here's this guy that loses everything and he's suffering and his friends are like oh well he must have really sinned you know look at how much he's suffering and God's like no you're wrong this is not you know there is an element sometimes in suffering that it could be a punishment of, you know, for sinfulness, but that's, that doesn't even begin to touch the fullness of the meaning of suffering. Right. So if we think of, you know, Job, this innocent man who suffered and there's really, we don't find it, you know, scripture doesn't tell us like, oh, and this is why, but it's not complete until we get to the meaning of Christ. So Job is pointing us to Christ and and through Christ, we see this fulfillment of the meaning of innocent suffering. Because right. you're Amen. right, this <clears throat> pandemic is not something we chose. It's not something that we can not suffer through. Um, you know, illness or loneliness or human suffering isn't chosen suffering. And oftentimes it's innocent suffering. Right. And so why, you know, why does God allow it? Yep. Um, but if, if suffering... And it, it is, you know, we'll call it evil, but evil is a lack of good. So in suffering, it's a lack of goodness. And why does God allow a lack of goodness? I mean, because we haven't yet reached the full perfect goodness that we have in heaven. So no matter what, here on earth, there will be suffering. There will be lack of goodness. Yep. There will be suffering. Yep. And so God gives meaning to it, which is a he says, I know that this exists because you're not yet fully good, but I am going to make your suffering meaningful and sharing in the redemptive power of Christ. Right. Like he couldn't give us any bigger gift than that. <clears throat> and I think it's really important to emphasize what you just said. Uh, he does this. So we sort of just recognize and we, we, we participate in this by giving it, if you will, making an active will. I'm offering up this suffering, but we don't make it salvific or redemptive on our own. Right. He does that. He, he, we offer him um, this, this gift, if you will. We, we give our suffering to him and he takes it. Um, the father gives it to the son. The son takes it uh, and unites it with his own suffering and makes it redemptive. Right. Yeah. And it, it's not our power. And so right. I think of it as like, you know, if, if my, one of my kids asked to help make dinner, which that would be a nice surprise, but, um, you know, I don't really need maybe the, you know, youngest right. help because it's going to be more work. Yes. Um, but to allow that, that child to help allows them to grow and allows them to participate and allows them to have a share in you know, when then we all sit down to dinner and are like, wow, this is a great meal. A share in that glory. Uh, mm -hmm. if, <laughs> I might be stretching it a little bit. Wow. But um, that that sharing in redemptive suffering is God allowing us. He doesn't need us. He doesn't. He's complete without us, but he allows us to share in it so that we can share in the glory of seeing other people come turn to God because of the offering that they've made. And so when we offer our suffering, like here I am suffering, I can't do anything about it anyway. Here I am lonely, here we are stuck in our house, here we are possibly even sick or or in those vulnerable populations that have mm -hmm. a more risk of becoming sick. Um, we can take all of that anxiety, um, that sickness, that loneliness, 
and we can sort of sneak it in with Christ's suffering, and it becomes powerful, um, and it becomes useful. Amen. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Ignition. This is a broadcast of the New Evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, visiting today with Cameo Anders about redemptive suffering, the Christian meaning of human suffering, how we can um, recognize slash give meaning to our suffering, uh, which is for, for many of us. Um, in many ways, um, foremost in our minds during the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic. So, Kimmy, we've got um, just over 10 minutes to go. Do you want to transition maybe to the second point uh, that you want to talk about? The second point I love, if we think of this Good Samaritan and what the Good Samaritan did in the face of suffering. So oftentimes I think Catholic teaching is misunderstood that because suffering has this salvific power, if we offer it with Christ's suffering, then we have to sit and suffer and wail mm. and be in anguish. Uh, church teaching doesn't say you have to suffer because it has meaning. We look at the um, the story, the parable of the Good Samaritan, and we see that, you know, the Good Samaritan didn't come along and like sit there and be like, oh, good job, buddy. Offer it up. You know, you're doing great. Mm. But he stopped and he responded. And so when we encounter suffering, this is the second meaning of suffering. And this is from JP2 as well, St. John Paul II. Yes, okay. yes, same yeah. same encyclical. Yeah. So when we encounter suffering, we are called to stop. And and compassion is that, you know, human value that rises up in us when we when we see suffering, but it's it's meant not to just keep us stagnant and look on with curiosity, but to actually act. Mm. And so suffering, the second meaning of suffering is that it causes the human person to act out in self-giving love. And so suffering actually triggers a response from us. It triggers an act of love. And so the second meaning of, of human suffering is that it unleashes love in the human person. So, so the first meaning being that the person who is suffering can offer that and share in Christ's redemptive power. The second meaning is that the person who sees suffering is called to this response of love. And so we have this relational interaction, this relational self-giving, this relational love. We have the Trinity Mm. in action here on earth. And as St. Augustine says, where we see charity, where we see caritas, that self-giving love, we see Trinity. So the second meaning of suffering is that we can show the Trinitarian God to those around us. And, And that's something that the church has done for 2000 years. It's one of the reasons the church has so compelled people and drawn people to her because um, Catholics, many times in heroic ways, saints uh, exercise heroic virtue, um, Catholics in so many ways, so many times, so many places throughout history and other Christians as well. uh, But we've responded to suffering by entering in. Uh, I was, as you were talking, compassion. I was just thinking about the word compassion. Compassion literally means to suffer with come with co passion think of jesus's passion suffering so to suffer with so we enter into someone else's suffering to seek to do what we can to bring an end to it so what we we might when we ourselves are experiencing suffering that's the first side we can offer it up and yet when we see someone suffer we are called as you said not just good job go you know Offer it up. You're, do, you're doing great. No, but we, we are called to do what we can to to alleviate, to relieve their human suffering while they might be offering it up. Right. Yeah. How do? What else do you want to say about the second point? I was I was gonna 
Go ahead. Okay. Well, no, I just, especially at this time where we're, you know, how can we reach out in self-giving love? But that reaching out, you know, while keep our social distancing, maybe it's a phone call to grandma. Maybe it's a um, a thank you to the healthcare workers or the first responders or, you know, the parents who are now home with their children trying to educate them. And, you know, kudos to homeschooling parents. It's it's tough work. And I think we're all seeing that. Um, But how can you reach out in this time? I think that's what we're called to do is reach out and and share a gift of ourself. And in that, you know, and especially during this time, you know, the, the I'll call it like the veil um, that usually covers our eyes, but it's sort of pulled back and we see mm. human relations. We see human interactions in a whole different way. And the, the beauty of the goodness of the human heart is really um, more prominent or more like raw and visible. And so in, especially in this time, like stopping in the face of suffering and responding, reaching out in effective help and in self-giving love. And when we do that, so this is, this is again, the second meaning, uh, the second Christian meaning of human suffering. So how we can respond to suffering that we're seeing. And, and as you said, as you're just uh, sort of restating there, um, that's how we show, we give evidence to the reality of God present, God with us. Um, Matthew talks about how, quoting Isaiah, um, and he shall be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And Jesus's name means Yahweh saves, God saves. So we give evidence. We you know, it's a cliche, but it's true. We are the hands, the feet, but maybe, as you said, um, that's literally true in some cases, people who are caring for others, but maybe the face or the voice of Jesus to somebody, as you said, who's alone, who's afraid, who's scared. Right. Yeah. And if we go back to that, you know, strange verse that we read where we complete what is lacking in Christ's suffering, we do it for the sake of the body. That is the church. So if we are all the body of Christ, you know, we we make visible together Christ's body. So like you just said, you know, if God is with us, if in suffering God is with us, then it's visible through us. Like that's a, that's a tall order to fill, but it's really a beautiful meaning to human <clears throat> suffering. Amen. Amen. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Ignition. This is a broadcast of the New Evangelization. I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald, visiting today with Cameo Anders, and we're talking about the Christian meaning of human suffering, um, really summarizing in two fundamental points uh, the teaching of St. John Paul II in his apostolic letter on the Christian meaning of human suffering. Uh, the Latin title is Salvifici Dolores, if you um, are into Latin. Um, so we've got a little less, we've got just over four minutes left, Cameo. Um, maybe to start to wrap it up. Um, Thinking about these two fundamental points, uh, and we, we've talking, been talking all along here about the, the pandemic and the suffering that people are experiencing. What is what does this have to? What else does this have to say for us today in the midst of this pandemic? Okay, you know, there's a part in here that I'll misquote, um, but it says something about suffering builds endurance, which builds character, which um, strengthens faith which leads to hope. Right. It's a quote from one of Paul's letters. Okay. Good job. So did I misquote it? Uh, Well, it was a good paraphrase. (laughs) Good paraphrase. Okay. But the key there is that this is all leading 
to hope. You know, not just hope in our ultimate reality of of life with God in heaven, but hope in the goodness of human interactions, hope in, you know, a <clears throat> cure to this pandemic, hope in um, just that our suffering has meaning, that it doesn't leave us, you know, wailing in anguish and meaninglessness. And so just ending with that focus on hope. Right. And I, and with that too, I think once one thing that this pandemic is, is making clear to us, I think for, um, you said earlier, the image of the veils being removed, another way in which the veils removed is, well, while we, especially as Americans, we have a lot of control over our lives, a lot of power, if you will, it only goes so far. And, and this pandemic is, is showing our more fundamental dependence, our, our fundamental lack of the control and the power over life that we would like to have. Um, we all experience that ultimately in, in, in death, but even other forms of suffering. And yet for us, because of the wealth of our nation, the material wealth of our nation, we don't experience that reality, um, but a few times, most of us in our lifetime. Um, and right now this pandemic is making that reality, reality very clear but we're not powerless. We can do what we were talking about. We're, we're talking about here. If we're experiencing suffering ourselves, whether it's real physical suffering because of illness or emotional suffering, we're afraid for ourselves or family, friends, loved ones. Um, we can offer that up. We can enter into the suffering of others. And one way, powerful way we can do the latter is by prayer. Yeah. Um, I think to, to, and, and this is where um, just recently our Bishop here in, in Sioux Falls, Bishop uh, Donald DeGrude, um, Last week, uh, as you're hearing this, last week on on March 25th, which is the Solemnity of the Annunciation, um, he invited us to storm heaven with our prayers for an end to this pandemic. Uh, and and, and I, I think that's something for us to take seriously when we're able. You know, maybe right now we're 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 not quite there yet, but but when we do get there, um, when when maybe we have that peace and that calm and that trust at least a little bit or sufficiently. To, to pray for an end to the pandemic, to trust that God has power. He is the creator and there's nothing beyond his power. He is in the mysterious design of his providence. We don't know why he is. A, he allows suffering of all sorts. This is suffering on a, on a very visibly grand scale, but even the small sufferings that, you know, just um, last week uh, we, we here in Eastern South Dakota, we had some snowstorm and somebody died in a car rollover. Why? We don't know the why, but we know again that God is with us in the midst of this. So I would, I, I think together with you, Camille, we would encourage, invite people to pray for an end of the pandemic. Yeah. And you said, if you're suffering, I want to say, not even if, we all suffer, even if it's, oh, I'm suffering from wondering about financial or whatever Amen. it is. So take that suffering and offer it in prayer. Suffering can be a form of prayer if you intentionally offer. Amen. And why don't we close then with a prayer from St. John Paul II um, in this apostolic letter on the Christian meaning of human suffering. Sure. So from the end of this encyclical, John Paul has a prayer in here. I'll just quote it. Together with Mary, mother of Christ, who stood beneath the cross, we pause beside all the crosses of contemporary man, and we ask all you who suffer to support us. We ask precisely you who are weak to become a source of strength for the church and humanity. In the terrible battle between the forces of good and evil, revealed to our eyes by our modern world, may your suffering in union with the cross of Christ be victorious. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Camille. 
Until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>